now looking back, it's not normal to have to take Xanax in order to do your job. Mm -hmm. But I was so deep into that, that I just, I just thought, you know, this is just, it's just a high stress job. I've just got anxiety, you know. Hi, I'm Dr. Morgan Nolte, geriatric physical therapist, weight loss coach, and passionate disease prevention expert. I used to struggle with emotional eating, sugar cravings, and consistency. Then I learned how to lose the mental and physical weight once and for all with a low insulin lifestyle. Each week on the Reshape Your Health podcast, you'll learn simple, actionable, step-by-step strategies to help you do the same. If you're ready to create a body and life you love, you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Reshape Your Health podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Morgan Multi, and I'm really excited about today's episode because we have one of our Zivli members, Shanna, here with us, and um, she's a Southern gal, Texas, and we have been working together for over a year now, I believe. And um, even previous to our working relationship, she did some counseling and she's just had some tremendous mental growth, um, really focused on losing the mental weight that I don't think is talked about often enough in this health space. And we both thought that she had some really great insights to share with the larger community of women who are looking to not just lose weight, but improve their mental health and emotional health and physical health along the way. Shanna, thank you so much for joining us today. And let's just get started kind of with a background of your personal weight slash health story. Okay. Um, well, I have pretty much always been on a diet, um, since right after high school. Um, as a matter of fact, I would say, even say that I had, um, borderline eating disorder, if not an eating disorder, because I would, right after high school, I would pretty much starve myself. I would not eat. And I got down to a very pretty, a dangerous, dangerously low weight. But I, um, I did that. And then um, I ended up getting sick from something else. And uh, I gained the weight back. I had two children when I was younger. And I just, uh, I pretty much tried every diet in the book. Um, and I did hit on one that worked for me. And this was a very low calorie, um, restrictive diet where I would, I would literally on Sunday weigh out everything I was going to eat for that next week or sometimes two weeks or a month. I would weigh everything out and I would measure everything I ate and I would eat like that. And I'd get down to, uh, now I think a weight that was really too low for me, you know, 115 pounds, 118 pounds, but I could never sustain it because as soon as I would start to eat normally again, I would of course gain all the weight back and then some. Mm -hmm. So I just kept doing this, you know, on a regular basis, I would uh, tell myself, okay, I would, I would actually arrange my vacations around this diet, you know, okay, I'm going to go on vacation at this point. So I need to have lost my weight by then. Oh, if I haven't lost my weight by then, then, you know, I would just feel horrible about myself. I wouldn't even enjoy the vacation. Mm -hmm. So that's what I had been doing until I finally said, okay, um, you know, I need to, I, well, first COVID struck and I uh, decided to get some counseling because I have a background of, um, let's say there was a lot of pressure put on me as a young child. Um, I was a perfectionist as a young child and um, I had a lot of things I needed to clear up in that area. So I did the counseling and I did that all through COVID. And, but the last thing that I couldn't, you know, get a hold of was my weight. Um, I had pretty much stopped that, um, that very restrictive diet, but I didn't know what to do. And I still was obsessively, you know, getting on the scale every single morning, sometimes morning, afternoon and night, like multiple times a day. And I really wasn't connecting my mental health with the weight. Although I thought 
I was connecting it because I think of myself as an intelligent woman and I have read a lot of, um, I've read a lot. And so I thought I understood, but I did not. <laughs> yeah. And I think we had spoken in our last one-on-one client call, like the analogy of a frog being boiled. So I'm going to tell my analogy and then you can tell your elephant analogy. Mm-hmm. And the, the frog analogy was specifically with your work setting. You mentioned that you had normalized your anxiety. You were in such a, such a high stress demanding, um, professional job. And you got so used to the anxiety that you weren't aware of the negative effects that it was having on your physical health, even, you know, let alone the mental health part of it. But you said, I said, I don't know if this is true or not, but I've heard before, if you put a pot or a frog into a pot of boiling water, it recognizes the danger and it tries to get out. But if you just kind of keep the frog in there and slowly turn up the heat, it doesn't recognize that there's a danger and it boils to death. And I kind of feel like that's the point that you got to. And then do you want to share the elephant analogy that you shared after I had mentioned the frog one? That I really related to that, but also I had heard, you know, if you chain an elephant, he'll try to get away for a long time. But after a while, if you take the chain off, he'll just stay there. He won't leave. And I think I was, I was definitely there because I, I think I know I grew up a lot around a lot of, uh, I had high anxiety as a child, very high anxiety. There was violence in my, in my household. And, um, I just got used to that anxiety. Uh, I started, um, a very stressful job. I'm a court reporter and I work in a felony criminal court. Uh, we do felonies. We do civil cases that involve $500,000 or above, and we do family law cases. And as a matter of fact, just yesterday, I was called a demon. <laughs> the, 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 one of the, one of our uh, people said, you know, please, Jesus save me from the five before me, Shanna, you know, Frank, the judge. And, you know, anyway, so I thought, man, I'm really going to miss this job, but, but, um, um, so I got into this high stress job and I started doing it when I was 20 years old. And I honestly, I got sick probably at least a couple times a week for the first couple of years, I would literally get sick. But after a while, I got used to it. And in fact, I prided myself, you know, on the fact that I'm able to handle this on the fact that I would show my husband maybe um, some pictures of something I was doing at work and he would throw up and get sick. And it didn't bother me at all. Mm -hmm. And so that was, you know, a point of pride for me that I'm able to handle all of this. I was also on my PTO. I was also, you know, um, very involved in my Texas Court Reporters Association. I also, you know, uh, got all of these extra licenses. I'm the only, you know, uh, registered merit reporter in my county that I know of. And um, I would just, um, I would just more and more and more. I would take on more and more and more. And I was just really stressed out. And um, believe it or not, I, well, I started to have panic attacks. I, about 15 years ago, I'm going to be 53 next month. So in my late thirties, and I did not think they were panic attacks. I thought I was having a heart attack. When the doctor told me they were panic attacks, I kind of thought, no, you know, this is not a panic attack. I mean, something is wrong with me. So I went to the cardiologist and they told me, you don't have a physical problem. This is anxiety. So they prescribed me some Xanax, which I would only take when I had the panic attack. So I had gotten what I was doing for the last 15 years is every year I would get 30 Xanax and I would say, well, this is the smallest dose. Um, so it's not a big deal. And uh, it's only 30. And at the end of the year, I would still have sometimes 10 or 20 left. I would only take them when I was having like a serious panic attack. And so I would be in trial and sometimes I'd have to take one, you know, every day during the trial or every other day. And I had normalized that. Now, looking back, it's not normal to have to take Xanax in order to do your job. 
But I was so deep into that, that I just, I just thought, you know, this is just, it's just a high stress job. I've just got anxiety. You know, I need to do this. And I didn't tell anybody, um, you know, that's what I did. And I had, I did start to consider, I had a child late in life. He's 11 years old now. So after I had him, I started to consider retiring, but I didn't want to give up that. Um, I really love it too. I thrive. I thrived on the stress, I think at the same time. So mm-hmm. it was hard to give it up. I needed a total mindset change, but I did not realize it until the last year that we've been working together. I've slowly come to realize the error of my ways. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think that what was it that sparked or like that turned the light on in your head of like, Oh, this isn't healthy. And I actually don't want to do this anymore. You know, because there are pros and cons to working and you weighed those pros and cons over and over and over, you know, compared to retiring or, you know, backing down, but what was it that really pushed you over the edge to seriously take a step back and consider your workload? What pushed me over the, what I mean, I had been considering it for a long time and going back and forth. And I would tell myself, well, if you stay six more months, your retirement check is going to be this much more. Well, if you stay another year, it's going to be this much more. Well, if you stay two more years, it's going to be this much more. And I want more. And I need to make sure I'm going to have that security. And, you know, I need to stay here. But... Finally, I kind of feel like my body just said, I think that my body was telling me to stop. And I think as a matter of fact, on May the 19th, just a couple months ago, my body literally screamed at me. I had, um, again, I thought I was having a heart attack. My blood pressure shot up really high. Um, I told my husband, you know, you need to take me to the emergency room. We went and they told me that, you know, this is your blood pressure is really high. Um, And that's I I was already taking blood pressure medication. I forgot to say that. I just started that a few months ago, a very low dose of blood pressure medication. So um, I sat there and my blood pressure started to go down on its own. So they said your blood pressure would not go down on its own. And they also checked everything out, you know. This is anxiety. Again, they told me anxiety. So right then and there, I said, you know what? I can't do this anymore. Right then and there, I called my, my, my judge, my boss. I called him my judge. I called him and I told him, judge, I'm sorry, but I, I need to take a medical leave. I, and I'm most likely going to retire once I'm done with that leave because I'm having like some serious health problems and I need to take a step back. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, a really good synopsis of, in my opinion, what's kind of like one column of your mindset piece, which was addressing the compulsion almost to work in that high stress job and getting over the fear-based thoughts of not having enough. Um, when in reality you do the math, you have plenty for retirement. You're there, you know, it's kind of like, okay, then why are you staying? So we work, we work through that stuff, but I wanted to also talk about the other two buckets, which I would consider some of your limiting belief buckets. And the first was, um, you know, that you had to be everything to everyone. And I remember a conversation that we had, you were getting ready for vacation and you were like supposed to go to Sam's club, maybe with some women from the PTO. And, and I was like, why? And I'm like, that does not sound like a hell yes. And if it's not a hell yes, it's a hell no. And so where do you think that compulsion came from to feel like you had to be everything to everyone? I feel like I'm, I was seeking approval and I feel like that came from childhood that I would always, you know, try to seek approval. And I felt, and sometimes I still feel that, you know, I want other people's approval and it's almost, um, I also think, which I haven't mentioned this to you, but I think that other people can smell that, you know, and they come and because I would always wonder, I never asked to be on the PTO, but every school 
have three kids, every school, they always come and ask me to be on the PTO because I think people can, I would think before, well, people can smell my competence. They know that I would be good at this. And yes, some of it's that, but I think some of it is also people, they, they know when someone needs that approval or is seeking that, um, reassure, you know, that, that reassurance or that approval. And now I realize I don't need that approval because the most important opinion is my own opinion. And my opinion was being buried because I would say yes, but I really didn't want to do it. Mm -hmm. And I also have realized, and lately I've realized too, I've had more and more opportunities to say no. That's what I'm looking at them as now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Opportunity. <laughs> but um, people will still come and ask me and I still get that little tug that, you know, yes, I should do this or I want to say yes, but I've learned to say no. And another important thing I've learned is that usually when I say no, it's no big deal. Before, I don't know what I was fearing, but I had a fear that people would look down on me or think I'm not a good mom or think I'm not a good worker or I'm not a good friend, but that just wasn't the case. That was something I was putting on myself. And there have, there have been a couple of people who don't like that because they're used to the way I have been, I think. But those people are mostly people that like my husband says, they weren't my friends anyways, really. So I really lose much (laughs) there. Right. And I think that goes um, down to boundaries and the fear of missing out. I think fear really is at the core of a lot of it, like fear of missing out, fear of criticism are two really big fears um, behind limiting thoughts. Mm-hmm. And I think that you've done a lot of mindset work and we're going to talk about kind of your personal faith formula and how that has worked into this. And um, before we hop off the interview here, I also wanted to pull up your obstacles list because we had some really specific limiting thoughts written out. Um, because sometimes I think it's easier to identify your own limiting thoughts than someone else. Like this is almost everyone's blind spot to see our own limiting thoughts. Um, the other bucket that I would kind of put your limiting thoughts into would be boundaries around family, which I think is one of the hardest ones, specifically your husband, bless his heart, love him dearly, but he's a food pusher and you've had to really develop some stronger boundaries around that. Um, and then also saying no to your children or creating boundaries around your children. So can you speak into that a little bit more for people that might be struggling with that? I still have to do that. Even just today, my husband, because I was very busy this morning at the doctor's office all morning. And he knew I had this, uh, this podcast today at one o'clock. And so he said, well, I brought you some kolaches and they're bacon and egg and sausage and egg. But, um, I didn't want those anyway. And so I just told him, well, you know, I don't eat those. That's all I said. And that was it. And, um, it's, I was blaming him And I was kind of using that as an excuse for myself, you know, because he is, he is a food pusher, but the more I tell him, no, I don't want that. The better he's getting, Mm -hmm. you know, at least for me, nagging him does not work. That doesn't work. You know, I just have to, I have to take responsibility and say, no, I don't want that. And then eventually he'll stop. It's like, I'm teaching him how to treat me. It's me. It's me, not him. Mm-hmm. So I'm really learning that one. And then my kids too. Um, I have two kids. I have a 29 year old, a 31 year old and an 11 year old. And so, yes, I, um, when I, I I'm retiring and um, that's going to be in two weeks. My last day is August the 2nd. But I had to sit my kids down and tell them, okay, I am retiring. And that does not mean I'm going to be a full-time babysitter for my grandson. No, it doesn't mean that I'm here for anything you need whenever you need it. Like, don't think that I'm going to be anybody's slave or, you know, I'm not going to do that. I'm not up for that. This time is for me. Mm -hmm. And I haven't told you, Morgan, but I've been traveling a lot. (laughs) So 
I know you've been traveling a lot. Yeah. You like to travel. Um, yeah. I've been traveling a lot. And before I would think, you know, when I travel, that's when I don't diet. So I would look forward to traveling because I could eat whatever I wanted. But now I'm realizing those aren't two mutually exclusive things. Yeah. I can Especially still. Especially if you do it a lot. Yeah. I can travel and eat right. And then I'm enjoying my vacations even more because I feel good. I mean, why would I want to go on vacation and eat a bunch of junk and then feel crappy? Yeah. I don't know why. Why was I doing that? Well, you know? we should talk about that as well. Let's kind of put that since you're a court reporter, let's put that on the docket. I like to put that on the docket and talk about that too. And like what strategies you have found specifically helpful for that. Um, especially since it's summer, this episode will probably air kind of late summer and people might enjoy hearing what you're doing with that because it is a big sticking point. Like some people like myself, I don't go on a lot of vacations, so I definitely loosen up my nutrition. Um, when I do go and I don't care because I'm pretty tight the other times, but if you're traveling a lot, or if you have a vacation home and you're always hosting people, you got to learn those strategies that work with your lifestyle. Um, now, before we move on too far past these limiting thoughts, I really want to pull up your, uh, Zivli system. Okay. Let me get it pulled up here. And I wanted to review your, the obstacles list. So for those who aren't necessarily familiar with, um, our, you know, our Zivli system, we're, we're really big on mindset and we're big on auto suggestion, which we'll talk about next, but first it's important to kind of identify what are your specific limiting thoughts that keep coming up? Or like a lot of times it's automatic negative thoughts. Um, And so I'm going to just kind of read, is it okay if I just read through it? Sure. It's fine. I'm an open book. I know. I love it. Um, And these are in no particular order. These are just some that we have documented along the way, because often they will pop up again, or a similar version of the same thought will pop up. So these are Shanna's limiting thoughts list. I have to severely restrict myself or do something extreme and be miserable to lose weight. And then sometimes in these, we have chosen a thought to believe instead. So instead of believing that we want to believe, I believe I will lose weight by adopting a healthy, low insulin lifestyle. I reject restrictive diets and the all or nothing mindset. It is not too late for me to lose weight. My metabolism is not ruined. I'm grateful for my body and the healthy choices I make. How much better is that thought? Um, Right. So the next one is I have to eat it. Oh, this is good. I have to eat it because someone gave it to me and I don't want to waste it. Like I I remember a big thought of yours was you didn't want to be rude because your upbringing, they really put that pressure on you to always kind of like be on and like be perfect and all that stuff. So you did not want to disappoint people. That's the Southern southern part of me. (laughs) Is it? Oh man. Yeah. It's so rude not to take a donut or especially here, down here, it's just rude. Yeah. Right. Right. And so we kind of had to get over that. So we, um, we did, I choose what I eat and drink based on what's healthy for me, not my perception of what someone else thinks. And for you, that was a lot of it. It's not like they were overtly saying, uh, I'm judging you, Shanna. <laughs> I have a couple of like one really good couple friend and they will straight up tell me I'm hard judging you right now, Morgan, but most people don't do that. You know, most people are more reserved with their opinions and it's our perceived, um, assessment of their judgments that's influencing our behavior. So that one's if they do judge us. I mean, they don't really care that much about us. It's a second and they're not going to remember it tomorrow. So who cares? So true. It's so true. Oh, this is a similar one. So in the same vein, I have to eat it because someone gave it to me and I don't want to be mean. Like that's big. So we did, uh, what I eat or drink has nothing to do with other people's feelings, my value as a person or my character. That was a big one. Cause you always want to be the, be the nice one. We had to get over that fear of criticism for sure. Um, this is also, these are also good. I need to get rid of this fast. So I'll just eat it now. So it's gone. 
And instead of that one, we came up with, I choose to throw away unhealthy food and drink instead of eating them. And I don't feel bad about wasting food. We are blessed to have an abundance of food. Um, yeah. You want to speak into that one at all? I caught myself doing that just the other day. We were at the beach. We only live an hour, a little more than an hour from the beach. So we go there a lot and we were at the beach and I had bought groceries because that was good. Instead of eating out, we bought groceries and, um, my little boy had wanted some puddings, some of those puddings. So I got those for him because we're on vacation. And when we were leaving, I was packing up all of our food that we didn't eat. And I said, um, hey, Lalo, that's his name. Lalo, um, you want to eat some of these puddings? Uh, so I don't, because I don't want to take them with us. Why don't you just eat these really quick so we can uh, not have to carry them? I'll eat one and then you have one. And then I was like, wait a second. No. You know, we can just leave them in the fridge for the next person who comes or we can, you know, we don't have to eat these. So, yeah, that comes up. I I catch myself, though, now before it was almost just automatic. Exactly. And I'm also putting that on my child. Mm -hmm. I mean, look what I'm teaching him, Mm -hmm. you know, just eat this real quick so we can get rid of it. I mean, you know, it's kind of like a wasting. It's not good to waste food type of thing. Right. And it's not good to waste food in, in general, but it's also what's worse wasting a pudding cup or reinforcing that habit of eating unhealthy food just to get rid of it. Well, and if you throw it in the trash, really, you're going to either waste it on your body or you're going to waste it in the trash. I mean, it's not really, it doesn't make, that's a good way to look at it. You're going to waste it either way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So this next one, I liked a lot. Um, it was, I can't do what I want, you know? And I think a lot of people from the restrictive diet mentality, um, I can't have that. I can't have that. I can't have that. And so we changed that to, um, I'm an adult. No one can tell me what to do. Mm -hmm. And I think that comes in with very, a very controlled upbringing. A lot of people kind of revolt and feel like they're not in control, almost like that victim mentality, like you mentioned with your husband. So taking Mm -hmm. more ownership that you are now in control of your choices. And then, um, I can eat whatever I want. Okay. So this is another limiting thought and we don't have a solution to all of these thoughts. So this one is just kind of a random one floating on your list. I can eat whatever I want to reward myself for good, hard work. Yes. And yes, that's a, that's a habit. And I still, uh, you know, that one's still, because a lot of these are automatic habits and that's where the mind, the, the mindset work really helps Yeah. because they're really ingrained, you know, and I tend to like, that was what I was doing with the vacations, you know, and I would plan my vacations. I would go twice a year. And I, as soon as I'd finish one, I'd plan the next and I would diet, 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 diet. And I would just like restrict myself and say, okay, I can't wait until this vacation. And then I can just eat pig out and eat whatever I want. And I would really go overboard on my vacations. I would eat, you know, I would, it was like feast or famine. Literally I'd be like, okay, you know, I need to eat because I'm not going to be able to again, but -hmm. I would have business trips also. And I would say, okay, well, I'm on a business trip. I can do it. And it would turn to the point where, you know, I was either eating nothing or eating everything. Right. There was no healthy baseline and there was no focus on like nutrition or just fueling your body so that you feel good, you know, and that you have that energy and that you have the health that you want. So this is, um, again, in line with the previous one, I'll get back on track after the weekend, after vacation, after this exception meal, because you like to go out to eat with your girlfriends. And so then we turn that into, I really like this. I don't catastrophize. Is my saying that right? Catastrophize. I think I am exceptions. I recognize that exception foods and meals, when I consciously choose them are part of a healthy lifestyle. I am not bad for eating unhealthy foods. I am a great person and I am enough. I'm going to read that again. Cause I think that's super powerful. Um, I don't catastrophize exceptions and some people call them like cheat meals. We don't use that word in Zibli because it, um, it has a guilty connotation to it. And, you know, eating, I like to say eating is not a test. There should be no, (laughs) no, um, guilt associated with it. Um, 
you know, you can call them sometimes foods or exception foods. So we don't catastrophize exceptions. I recognize that exception foods and meals when I consciously choose them are part of a healthy lifestyle. I am not bad for eating unhealthy foods. I am a great person and I am enough. And I think I know you so well from our conversations over the year, but that one, I think speaks a lot to your childhood on not feeling like you were ever good enough. And I think there's probably a lot of people listening that can relate to that. Did you want to speak on that anymore? Or did you have any other insights for that one? Yes, I, um, that was, a that is a big one still, you know, because, um, it would sometimes like, and I mean, I'm, I admit this to my husband and everybody, but sometimes I'd want an ice cream or something, but I wouldn't, I'd be embarrassed to eat it in front of my husband. Why? You know, so I would just wait till he was gone and do it when he was not there. And then, I, and then, you know, why, yeah. you know, because why? you're ashamed yeah. as a younger person and you carry that into adulthood subconsciously. Yes. And when I was a younger person, I was a, I was a really small person when I was younger and, um, I would be told, Oh, don't eat that in front of your sister because she has a weight problem and you're going to make her feel bad. Or, um, I would be told, you know, why did, you know, you ate that, um, you know, or I always comments on my body and my weight, you know, constantly, constantly until I had that record in my head where I am telling myself those things, you know, and it's like, what's really funny to me is I do think I was, I had a fear too of my metabolism that I had ruined it. And I do think it did, it is taking me longer to get my metabolism back on track because I did that for so long. But, um, now that I am not doing that, I am not as hungry as I was before. And food is not on my mind all the time. And if I do want to have an ice cream or whatever I want to have, I don't, <clears throat> I do it in front of my husband or whoever's there. Like, there's no shame in that now where before, I mean, I wouldn't want to eat at work in front of anybody, anything sweet or anything, because I would think where they're going to think that I'm not, um, <clears throat> you know, I'm not, uh, I don't have it all together. You know, look, she's eating that junk. Look at that. So yeah, I heavily associated food with being a bad person. Mm -hmm. heavily. And so I just had all kinds of issues with food that I didn't really realize. Yeah. You know, and I would, I'm good when I was so strict with myself, that's the only time I would feel like uh, other people are going to think I'm good, but they don't know that I'm really bad because I do like ice cream, you know? <laughs> and, and that's what I would think, you know, I mean, well, I know. think that your upbringing too was very overt and other people I've, I've coached other people and it was more subtle, you know, it maybe it wasn't directly towards them, but, um, they would shame other people who couldn't hear what they were saying on like, Oh, look at her or look at him. Um, or look how good that girl looks. And that girl was always thin, or their brother would always date the thin girls. And it's like, so, so, and like media, I mean, Oh my gosh, those airbrushed images that we get, like, um, our media, environment is toxic right now. I think a lot of social media, a lot of the movies or shows, they have unrealistic expectations of what a body should look like, you know, and what beauty looks like. And then we internalize all of that. And we think, well, if I don't look like that, then I'm not beautiful. And one of our other Zibli members said something I really liked. And she said, you know, I'm trying to teach my child that how they look is the least interesting thing about them. Like that was pretty yeah. powerful. That's very true. And even though I haven't, I've, I haven't lost all my weight yet. Um, when I do go to the beach now, before I try to cover myself up a lot and now I don't know if it's a good thing or not, but now I'm kind of like, eh, who cares? You know? Yeah. Oh, so it's just, so important. Yeah. And just um, you. that's a goal of mine to feel 
comfortable with my own body because I look around at the beach and I see lots of people who feel comfortable with themselves and I admire those people, you know, and I see, you can see some girls and a lot of times they're younger girls and they look really good, but they're kind of hiding, you know, they, they feel uh, embarrassed. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know what? I'm not going to feel embarrassed. I'm just going to, you know, I'm not going to worry about that. That's not going to be my main focus. Oh and yeah. So much of a, so, a such a, a better time. You know, I have so much more um, fun when I don't just eat whatever I want and then be embarrassed, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but yeah, so that's a, it, it, that's a mindset that I really had to work on and I have to continue to work on that. Mm-hmm. I feel like, this is not something that I'm going to really probably ever be able to stop working on. It's not a, and I would look at it like that, you know? Oh yeah. You diet till your vacation and it's done. Now my diet's done. I would always hear people say, no, it's gotta be a lifestyle. And I would know that, but I just wasn't, I didn't understand how it could be a lifestyle. Mm -hmm. I'm just starting to understand that. Yeah. And I think that this is so powerful to understand If you're struggling, if anyone listening is struggling with consistency or they're struggling with their mindset, it's very likely that any weight they lose in the meantime may come back on. And so if you're losing weight slowly, consider, consider that kind of a good thing or like a sign from the universe that, oh, maybe there's something else I should be paying attention to here. Like maybe I should be focusing more on, you know, clean thinking instead of clean eating. And I think then the actions that drive the results come so much easier and more naturally, but this is another limiting thought that you had that I wanted to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, you said, I have to severely restrict myself or do something extreme to lose weight because I know that's, you know, it's almost like if you didn't feel miserable, it wasn't going to work. And I think that was a huge sticking point that took us a while to get to And I've encountered that with some other clients is like, why are you so resistant to eating? Because, oh, you're satiated, you're full, you have energy, you feel good. Like, oh, that that means it's not going to work because what worked last time was restricting myself and being miserable. And so a lot of people have that cognitive dissonance on like, well, if I feel good, it's not going to work. So can you speak into that with your experience? Oh yeah. I thought if it tastes good, you know, it's bad for me. Uh, uh, yeah. If I, if it it's the weight loss is a struggle is what I thought, mm-hmm. you know, and as a matter of fact, for really probably, I don't know, nine months or so I didn't need, I said, okay, I'm going to completely not diet at all. And I'm going to eat whatever I want. Well, it turned out I didn't want to eat all of the junk that I thought I wanted to eat. Hmm. So my goal really at first was just to maintain the weight I was already at and not gain weight Mm -hmm. because I feared so much gaining that weight. If I just ate like a normal person, you know, I didn't think I could eat like a normal person. I thought that I'm only going to lose weight if I am miserable, like you're saying. And I severely measure, you know, measure everything, weigh everything, you know, make sure I don't get the large apple, you know, I get the smaller apple. And I thought that's the only way because I would lose the weight, but only as long as I was weighing, measuring, you know, being miserable not having energy. And I just didn't think that there was another way. I really didn't. I didn't, I didn't believe it. Even if you had told me, I wouldn't, even in the beginning, I really didn't believe it, but I try, I said, let me give this a shot anyway. Let me give it a year. So that's what I did. And now I am not ever going to go back. And once in a while I'm tempted because I'll think, you know what, I could lose it. If I, and then I, I'm not, I'm not ever going to do that again. I know I'm not ever going to do that again because I'm just enjoying my life too much this way. Even if I was to not lose any more weight, I would not do that. Mm-hmm. I think I'm that's just a, so much more. 
Right. And I think that that's an important point to make that I don't want to skip over. He said, I'm going to give this a year. I mean, of all the limiting thoughts that you've had that we've discussed, that was not one of them. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people are like, if I don't see results in two weeks, if I don't see results in four weeks, then it doesn't work. And it's like, uh, you took years, you know, you gave yourself like nine months, you said to do whatever you wanted and just eat, be more intentional with what you wanted to eat, not do any of, well, I'm not saying you didn't do any of the nutritional strategies, but most of our sessions together were focused on mindset, very, very little strategy, you know, unless that strategy was tied into consistency with your mindset work. And so I think we should talk about that, but there's a couple more limiting thoughts, um, that I thought was worth bringing up here. The lot one was the last meal syndrome, which is like, I've heard that before, but for anyone who hasn't heard that, that might identify that what's the last meal syndrome or like the last meal. Yeah. I would, uh, I would be like, it's kind of like the, I'll start again on Monday yeah. deal, but it was like, okay, I, I I'm going to start my diet tomorrow. So today I'm going to eat everything. Cause this is the last meal I'm going to have. And I can't tell you how many times I had done that before I start. Okay. Let me see. What do I want? Ice cream and chips and you know, all of this stuff. And I would eat that and then start on Monday. Right. And that goes to the bargaining. So there was another one on here. I make bargains with myself. I'll eat this unhealthy food, but that will be the only thing I eat all day. And then going back to that restrictive mindset. So that was kind of like another yeah. way. And then the last one I wanted to touch on, um, well, second to last, you said a certain weight is not good enough. It's never good enough. And I think you, I heard that you're overcoming that you're like, even if I don't lose any more weight, I'm not going back because I like how I feel. And I like my internal confidence, but I think that it's never good enough probably stems from childhood. And I think a lot of people have that one floating around in their heads subconsciously, but this one I thought was really, um, sad. So this last one that we can talk about being proud of myself puts other people down. Yeah. That goes back to like, I would, you know, I would be told, you know, uh, your sister has a hard time with weight. So if you, if you look good or you're skinnier than her, you make her feel bad. And so, you know, I had that problem, not just with weight, but lots of things. Like I didn't want to show that I was smart mm-hmm. or that I, uh, like successful at work out of my body or anything like that, because it would make other people feel bad. And I don't want to make other people feel bad. So I would kind of, you know, uh, uh, downplay myself or, you know, say, Oh no, it's, it's no big deal. You know, Oh, actually that was really easy or no, actually, I think so many times I would say, yo, you're so thin. You look so good. Oh no, I'm not. You should see me naked. I look really bad. And to the point where I think I made myself look really bad, but I would, you know, you'd say it, you'd kind of manifest to that. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Or I would, and that goes back to so many other things tie into it because the not wanting to turn down food, you know, all of that is not wanting to putting other people's thoughts and feelings that may or may not even be there above my own. And I would so I would I would put my own thoughts, feelings, all of that to the side for so long for other people. I mean, that's why I didn't want to quit working it. I said, my boss, what is he going to do? You know, he he counts on me, you know, and my boss is throwing me a huge retirement party in two weeks. As he, he should. He doesn't want me to leave. He yeah. told me if you were staying here, I'd give you this big office. But you're leaving, so I'm not going to give the new girl the big office. <laughs> but, but, but he's like, we're always going to be friends, you know. And I mean, he, I had tried to retire several times and he would talk me back into it. Mm-hmm. And he's just the best boss. That's the other thing. It was so hard to leave because he's so good to me. And it goes back to this because I would say I can't be rude or I can't be mean and leave him because he's so good to me you know, that would just be, I can't put myself first. 
you know, it all goes back to the same, the same limiting thoughts, right? You know, I can't, I can't do this for me because that's going to make him feel bad or her feel bad. So, yeah, I think there's so much truth. You're not the first person that I've talked to where they are, they, they're very blessed and they have a good career and they're smart and they have children that make good choices. And from the outside looking in, it seems like life and things comes easy to them. And in the area of their weight, they may struggle or they may hold on to the struggle or like, kind of like you were, you were kind of holding on to the struggle to be relatable, to show people, well, my life's not all perfect. I'm not perfect, but it's like, can't we, can't we let that go? You know, like, can't we, it's kind of like your husband said, well, those people that don't like your new attitude, your new lease on life, they weren't your friends in the first place. And it's like, if someone can't accept you as a healthier version of yourself, then you may be better off without such an intimate relationship with those people in the first place. Yeah, so, that's very, very true. I didn't want to skip over that part. Cause I think that there's a lot of women in our community that are successful in a lot of different areas of their life. And this, like you is kind of like the last area that they need to dial in and they may not understand. Yeah. Strategy is important, especially kind of, um, after 50, um, it does become more important to kind of narrow that strategy a little bit more to lower insulin. Um, the restrictive stuff just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. It just, <laughs> you, you know, that, but the mindset piece is so important and, and it's not talked about. So what I wanted to do next was, would you mind sharing your personal faith formula? Do you have that on hand? Uh, yes, I sure do. It's, cool. it's a long, but I don't mind I like sharing that. And I wanted you to read it. And then for people who don't know what this is, this is something that we encourage all of our Zibli members to create. Um, it's a combination of three different questions. And so I'll give them the, like the overview and then I'll have you read yours. And so the first step is to define your why and some more prompting questions in case you like want to bookmark this part or come back to this episode. Um, some more prompting questions to draw out your why is why is it important for you to lose weight and or get healthy? How does your life change? How do the lives of your loved ones change? And then the step two is the one-year picture. Um, so giving it kind of a date helps your brain um, make it more concrete. So your personal faith formula goes into a larger statement called your definite purpose, which is like the blueprint of your uh, mindset. So if you're going to go to an architect and be like, I want a new house. And you stop at that. They're like, well, how many rooms do you want? What square footage do you want? How many stories do you want? You have to give your brain really clear, specific, positive, non-dramatic instructions. This is kind of how we write those instructions. And then the measurables are part of that one-year picture. You don't have to use any measurables. Some people like to say like a certain weight or um, a glucose level or an A1C level, but you don't have to, if that makes you feel anxious about like you know, not meeting them, but it does help. Um, also part of that one year picture is what actions are you taking consistently? So examples could include, what does your exercise look like? How are you meal prepping or planning? Are you logging your food? Are you tracking macros? Are you sleeping? Well, how's your stress management? And then a really important one, um, then is how do you want to feel? And I think that you were the client, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty darn sure that it was you, that original question was phrased, how do you feel? And you couldn't even put yourself in that place of feeling good. Because I think that's when you said, honestly, Morgan, I feel like it's not good enough. Do you remember that? Yeah, I remember that. Pretty sure uh, it was you. It was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, it was a long time ago, but yeah, that's, that's, uh, I couldn't even really define what I wanted because mm -hmm. I mean, I didn't know. Yeah. I would feel like that. Like, okay. And five pounds more, two pounds more, you mm -hmm. know, how many more thousands next year, next year, next year, you know, it was never, <laughs> yeah, I just was never, uh, it was mm -hmm. never, it's never enough for me. You know, it was never good enough. Exactly. 
And I wanted to say too, like with the personal faith formula, uh, I would encourage people to fake it <laughs> till you make it. I aim into that. Because I uh, really kind of didn't really believe this, but I said, let me just do it anyway. Like I said, let me give, let me give it a year. And so I would read this, you know, in the morning and at night, even though I kind of really didn't think, you know, and I believe in, 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 I don't know why I believe that your mindset is very important in every area, but I just didn't think it would work for my weight. But I decided to do it anyway. And then slowly, slowly, slowly things start coming together and I start feeling better and things, you know, the slow pace. I was used to the restrictive dieting where, you know, quick loss, quick gain, quick loss, quick gain. But this is very slow. And I just keep reading it to myself, even though I really kind of was like, eh, you know, I don't know if this is going to work or not. But it does. And the reason it does, and you also, she had a good idea. She recorded it. And so like when, when you were walking, you would listen to it on your walk. So if you didn't, if you couldn't read it or whatever, but like, just to give some more concrete examples of how, how do you want to feel examples could include more energy, less joint pain, more confident in clothes, more confident during intimacy, free from food and weight obsession, proud of yourself. But you know, you mentioned several times in this interview, I was going to do that, but then I remembered, Mm -hmm. Uh, but then I remembered comes from consistency with mindset because how I describe this is a belief is a repeated thought. That's all it is. And so if you've had decades of negative, of automatic negative thoughts, we have to be intentional of proactively identifying those and replacing them with a positive productive thought that helps you reach your goals. And um, that's not to say more won't come up. Obviously they do, but you just keep fixing that thought and replacing it. So this is a living, breathing document that Shan is about to read to you. Um, and it is a critical piece, especially if you struggle with consistency or mindset or that restrictive diet mentality this is a really important piece to implement and you can do it right now. Just go back and re-listen to it, get your pen and paper, write it out. Um, but it really does work because then throughout the day, it's almost like when you read your definite purpose, first thing you're putting on your glasses and you're seeing through a different lens and you're reminding yourself of your intentions. So they're more top of mind. And when limiting thoughts come up, you can say you, you proactively have a thought that's more in your conscious awareness than it would have otherwise been if you didn't remind yourself of that. So that's why this is so important. So any other thoughts before you wanted to read yours on that? Yes. I would notice that, um, certain things that I was working on, I'd read this, they would come up more and I uh-huh. thought, okay, <laughs> I'm tempted more, but then I would realize, oh, like these are opportunities for me to practice my positive thought or my saying no, or whatever it is I need to do. Mm-hmm. So then I realized, Oh, okay. So this is happening more often. So I would be able to practice, you know, no. And then to realize that nobody is going to hate me for saying no, nothing bad is going to happen, you know? And so the more I practice, put this into practice too, the easier it is. Yeah. So that's another thing, you know, because I thought, why is this happening more? But no, I needed to practice actually doing these things. Okay. So here's my personal faith formula. Um, I am achieving and allowing my definite purpose. I commit myself to persistent, continuous action every day. I realize my subconscious thoughts will become my reality. I will concentrate my thoughts for 30 minutes daily upon gratitude and manifesting what I want. Any desire that I persistently hold in my mind will eventually come to fruition, positive or negative. My thoughts are controllable and they are my responsibility to control. I will never stop trying until I have developed consistent, deliberate follow through to attain my definite purpose. I believe that I will achieve my goal to be emotionally and physically healthy. I believe that I will weigh and maintain 130 pounds. In return to reach this goal, I allow myself to eat two sweets a week. I don't eat in secret because what other people think of me is about them, not me. 
I allow myself to have two convenience meals a week and I walk or exercise for 30 to 60 minutes, five times per week. I prioritize my emotional and physical health daily. I choose to think and do things that make me feel good. I don't fear criticism because of my strong internal faith and confidence in myself that I am a good person. I allow myself to feel how I feel without turning to food for comfort. I don't allow the perceived judgments or negative opinions of others to influence my actions. I trust myself and I listen to my instincts. I closely guard my mind against negative suggestions from others or myself through a wall of gratitude and positive thinking. I am deeply loved no matter what, just the way I am. I am smart and capable, but I don't have to take on responsibility for everything or feel the need to control everything. I know that everything will be taken care of. I have always been okay and I will always be okay. I don't sweat the small stuff. I am confident and comfortable with how my clothes fit. I can move better. I am flexible and I feel light on my feet. I don't obsess over my weight and food. I am proud that I consistently prioritize my health. I'm not afraid of going to the doctor. I like giving myself positive attention. It is now awaiting easy transfer to me at this time and in the proportion that I easily and joyfully do the work in return for it. Reaching this goal is important to me so that I will be healthy and active for my kids and grandkids, especially my youngest son, Lalo. I have peace of mind that my health is good, free from diabetes, high blood pressure, and anxiety. I have freedom and independence with good mobility so that I can make active memories with my kids and grandkids. I commit that my definite purpose will take time and determination. I fully accept responsibility for my thoughts, actions, inactions, and results. I recommit my energy and attention towards reaching my definite purpose. I commit to reading this aloud before bed and in the morning to influence my thoughts and actions so that I am self-accountable to achieve my definite purpose. Mic drop. (laughs) (laughs) That's really beautiful. I'm surprised I didn't cry. Um, a couple things I wanted to highlight in there for people who aren't skilled at, um, deciphering thoughts, she used the word allow several times. So if you come from a restrictive background, notice that she said, I will allow myself two sweets a week. I will allow myself two convenience meals a week instead of I can only have two sweets a week, or I will only have two sweets a week. Um, so really try to work the language into present tense and, um, allowing, which you did. And we really worked on that kind of together. You did a lot of the work on your own too, to be clear and intentional about what you're telling your brain and being sure that every sentence in that makes you feel empowered and positive and energetic and excited about making healthy choices not like you have to restrict yourself or this is a drag or anything. So I think that was super awesome. And then another thing that I had forgotten that I heard in that a strategy that we had used was going back to childhood when you maybe didn't feel like you were enough and you didn't feel like you were loved for being you just for being you. Um, and you maybe didn't always feel as safe and secure, um, I think it's a helpful tool. If you come from that kind of upbringing to, I think it's called like the inner family systems model in psychology. I don't really know, but it's almost like adult Shanna is going back to child Shanna to tell you what you needed to hear. Then you are safe. You are loved just the way you are. You are secure. Things are, you know, things are always going to be okay. And so reminding yourself of what your inner child needs to hear or needed to hear that, that it didn't hear can go a long ways in, um, preventing you from turning to food for that comfort or emotional security or, you know, anything else that we're using food for aside from like fuel. Right. 
So I think those were a couple of things that I wanted to tease out from hearing your um, definite purpose that someone who hasn't done that before, or maybe this is completely new to them may not have appreciated. And I wanted to highlight that and thank you for being so open and vulnerable and honest. And um, I knew that would be awesome. And we have a few minutes left. And so I wanted to circle back around to the vacation conversation and um, just kind of talk about like, what do you do now when you're on vacation to, um, as you say, in your definite purpose, you prioritize your emotional and physical health every day. That doesn't mean it looks the same every day. So how does it look on vacation for you? Okay. So for example, we just went to the beach and I made sure that I found a place that had a, uh, an exercise room because I could tell myself I'm going to get up and walk every day at the beach, but I know that might or might not happen. So, um, what I did is I said, at least the least I'm going to do is I'm going to get up in the morning and go do 30 minutes on the treadmill. The least I'm going to do. And a lot of times I would do 45 minutes on the treadmill instead. And that, um, that's another thing I went and bought groceries, you know, ahead of time, or, um, I had gone to Disney world before I went to Disney world. I checked out where I was going to stay and what they would have to eat. And um, another one is hydration, water, yes. Yes. water. Um, I made sure that I bought a case of water for the beach. I went grocery shopping. I know I'm going to have, you know, some, I'm going to go out to eat here and there. I kind of look at where, where I could go and what I could eat there. Um, because for me, I, I, re- I realize now that I want to feel good the whole time I'm on, I'm on vacation. So like if nothing else, um, oh, I bought a, I didn't tell you this one. I bought a Nutribullet. I have like a big Vitamix, but I wanted a small one and I can put it in my suitcase and I do put it in my suitcase. And um, so if there's nothing else, the least, you know, at least I can have some strawberries or some fruit and some protein powder Mm -hmm. and some almond milk or something. And I can do that. And that will keep me full because of the protein powder. And I also get my, um, I get some fruit, maybe I'll, throw some kale or some spinach or something in there to get that too. Um, but that's the main, uh, I just make sure first thing, you know, I get up, I always get up before everybody else anyway, and then I'll go do my exercise. And then that sets me up for the rest of the day. Like I feel good. I already feel, uh, I already feel good. So once I feel good, I don't want to really mess that up, you know, or, um, I really, after I've been doing, uh, you know, working on my mindset, I really don't crave like I did before. I really mm-hmm. don't. Yeah. I just, I don't crave as much and I don't, and I know that I'm going to be able to go on vacation again. It's not that I'll have to do it now or I'll never be able to do it again. And another thing I tell myself, and I realize a lot of restaurants I go to, they're not that great. <laughs> I mean, it's okay. I mean, I'm making it out that this is going to be so good. And it's not, it's really not even worth it to me because I take it before I take a bite and say, okay, I've got to eat this. Now I'll take a bite and go, you know what? I don't really like this. So I'm not going to eat it Mm -hmm. without feeling the way without feeling wasteful or bad. I know you said something at Disney, like you got a salad with hummus or something and you want a double hummus or something like that. And you left something off and you just, you got what you wanted and you didn't worry about it. Yeah. I wanted some hummus, but they only had it on a salad and it cost more. And so, and they wouldn't let me get the hummus by itself. Yeah. And so I was like, well, you know, I'll just, uh, I'll just get the whole salad anyway, you know, and yeah, it had, did have something else on it. And I said, well, can I just have the double hummus instead (laughs) the bread or something like that? So, yeah, I get like, I would, I wouldn't hesitate to do that for my child, but I wouldn't do that for me. And so I did spend a little more money and it's really a little more than I normally would, but it's worth it because then I'm not hungry for something else. And I probably would have bought a snack or something anyway, if I didn't do that. So really it evens out, you know, and I don't need to focus so much on, Oh, I'm, I'm wasting $2 here or, you know, $3 here. So I just more prioritize myself. I really am more making myself a priority. And I'm realizing that I'm having more fun on the vacation 
when I have more energy. Also, I'm on the beach. I feel a lot better in my bathing suit <laughs> when yeah. I exercise in the morning and I don't eat a bunch of junk. Yeah. Um, thing that I do is like, I did like, you know, I say I'm going to have the two sweets a week. I'm on, when I'm on vacation, sometimes maybe I might have a little more than that, mm-hmm. but instead of saying, okay, you went over your two, you're bad. It's ruined. You might as well just, I would say before you might as well just give up and eat whatever you want. Mm-hmm. It's not that big of a deal now. Yeah. You know, you don't catastrophize it. No. So I did that. Okay. So what? Okay. Then I, I catch myself right away. Okay. You're going up. You're, you're getting on the slippery slope. Okay. Get back before you start feeling bad. And that's it. It's no big deal. And you do that because every single day, twice a day, you're telling yourself that you guard your mind against negativity from others and yourself and myself. And I must say the biggest negativity was coming from myself mm-hmm. because I'm the one who was telling myself it, the big, it, it was me, you know, telling myself that I'm, how could you do that? Or you ate this or, you know, whatever. Another thing I do on vacation, and I kind of feel bad for my little boy, but I would get something at, to share with him and I would just take a bite of it and I didn't really want it. So I let him have the rest. I just mm-hmm. take like a bite and unless I really like it, I don't eat it because why am I going to waste, you know, on something I really don't like anyway. Yep. And gum, the other thing, gum. Yes. I gum with me and I chew, I always pop the gum. Yep. So Sometimes you just want, you know, a little oral fixation or something fixation or something and the water, the gum and the water. Yeah. Yes. But, and the thing too, is the, having the, like the protein shake, you know, afternoon or mid mid morning or, or closer to lunchtime. Cause that'll hold me. Mm-hmm. That's what I did right now. Before this, I had a nice. quick protein shake. Cause that, that keeps me full. So I'm not starving or hungry or, mm-hmm. you know, I'm just not as hungry anymore. Yep. And I, we didn't even touch on strategy and you did mention before we started recording, you're going through the Zibli course again, but you're reaping a lot more out of it this time because you're being intentionally focused versus like trying to listen and do something else with work. But you also just have a little bit more brain capacity and space with lowered um, stress to absorb the strategy piece of it. You know, and so I think you're such a testament to the power of focusing on mindset first. Um, some people don't need it. Like some people don't need any mindset. They're good to go. Give me all the strategy. I'm going to follow through. I'll see results super fast, but most of my clients need the mindset. So thank you for just sharing your story and, um, you're uh, welcome. yeah, it's, it's been really great to work with you. It's always kind of a joy of my day. And so I was kind of happy to share you with the broader Zibli community. Thank you. Yes. The mindset for me was the main thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, definitely, which I did not realize, even though I thought I did. (laughs) The main, it was definitely the main thing. And thank you for having me. Yes. All right. We'll talk again soon. Bye. Okay. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Reshape Your Health podcast today. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe, leave a rating and review, and don't forget to tell a friend. To learn more and connect online, check out the links in the show notes.